Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town. Although, in that case, one earphone only. Safety kids. I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's time to Take Command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. All right, two podcasts ago, Logan had a beer. This one, I've got coffee. There you Good go. Good morning. Time for the Chicago preview. Uh, this is different vibes, Man. right? Yeah, yeah, just a little. Uh, that's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. This is Take Command from Odyssey Sports, part of the Odyssey uh, 2400 Sports Podcast Network. So, Logan, uh, obviously, huge game uh, coming up on the short week. Considering everything that's happened this week, you know, we've seen uh, even since we recorded yesterday, um, actually, literally, we, we did it, our first ever podcast insert. Uh, I stuck a little yeah, uh, insert in, in the podcast. Yeah, I don't even know if I told you that I did that, but I was like, <laughs> hey, uh, after we got done recording, Ron Rivera apologized for his comments. And to be fair to Ron Rivera, here's the comments because I, I loved what he did. I loved how he took ownership. Uh, as I tweeted out, I was like, A plus, no notes. This is how you handle this. Um, right. And he really did like the I'm responsible for this. I messed up, which is something, Just something you wanted to see. Yeah, you yeah absolutely. See so I, I love that from Ron and, and give him full points, full credit for that. Um, but between that, between the poor play, like this is a huge game. So let's let's get into it uh, as we do every week with the game plan. Let's start with the offenses. That's been the talk of everything. What does Chicago look like defensively, and and how would you attack what they've got? Well, I think the good thing about Chicago is that they're pretty straightforward. You know, I think, um, what are they, 83% of their base defense, so like first and second down traditionally, but that obviously is impacted by personnel and other, other variables as well. They're single high safety, right? So they're running some version of cover three with a little bit of man. They tend to lean cover three, and then when they're not in cover three, they're running cover two. So – that should be very familiar to this staff, right? Again, it's not exactly like Tennessee, which was almost a carbon copy of what Jack Del Rio does. This is even more almost like Seattle. You know, I mean, it's it's so much cover three. It's very rare to see that high of a percentage. And then on third down, it's, you know, 60% uh, kind of middle field closed with a little bit of cover two in there, right? With about 40%, right? Cover two. And I think what you, that- What do you mean by middle field close? So middle field close is like when there's just a safety, like imagine you're under under center, you're the quarterback and there's a safety directly in front of you. That mm-hmm. technically means like the field is closed. And then if the field was open, there'd be two safeties and there'd be an opening between gotcha. you so and the either, again, uh, some variation of cover one, cover three, but it might Correct. actually be a junky version of that with blitzes and guys right. dropping places. Gotcha. And But you can tell that they want to, be in coverage. I think on that first and second down, they're like 80% zone. You know I mean? Like they want to be in coverage. They want to kind of make you go on long drives. They're a very, very, very much bend, but don't break. And, you know, based on history, like that's what Carson seems to do well against. You know what I mean? He seems to do well against teams that are kind of 
this is who we are. We'll say, um, you know, Jaquan Brisker and uh, Eddie Jackson are the safeties, and they do a really good job of disguising cover two, cover three. But there's only there's only two coverages that they run. So usually, if they start and start pre snap and cover two, they're rolling a cover three. And if they start in cover three, they're rolling. You know what I mean? Like it's it, there's right. some tells to what it's they like do. It's like a four year old's version of a disguise. Yes, correct. And so like you know, if they're rolling a cover three, the linebackers are going to be really shifted over so that safety can come down and be in that spot, that kind of extra linebacker spot. So to me. This this that that bodes well, right? They don't have a lot of juice when it comes to pass rush, right? I, I, I let me finish my thought about the safety. So I do I will say that uh, Eddie Jackson is a is a dude who gets around the football quite a bit. Yes, and I think that's one of the things why you play so much zone is because you know he does. I don't think he's the best tackler in the world. I think he makes plays in the run game, but he knows how to bait a quarterback and and intercept the football, right? So I think you're kind of leaning into that skill set. He's got two on the season, but probably should have three. They got a holding – one was a holding call that got brought back, not on him. And he – excellent, tracking the ball. He reminds me a little bit of the dude from Seattle. Um, what was his name? The, uh, Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas, in the sense that he could close a lot of ground, right? So right. Earl Thomas was a much better tackler, way more physical. Like, he's you know, he's a Hall of Fame type player. Right. But – you know, like when you watch film of Earl Thomas, like the the field feels so small because right. he's covering so much grass. And there's an right. element of that component to Eddie Jackson, you know, especially when the ball's in the air. You're like, oh, that, he, that ball he is be- your really high level center field safety. Like right. He is the guy that just it's not hash to hash. It's not numbers to numbers. He's sideline to sideline. You know, okay. when he's got cover three deep middle, like he can help out your corner on either side. And it, and it's and I didn't really give him that kind of credit, but it was impressive to watch him do that. And then I will say also he struggles in run fits. Like he's not good in that department. Like if you watch and again, you know, watch the San Francisco game. San Francisco kind of picked on him a little bit from a, a run from a tackling standpoint and just how to how to fit the runs. And you know we talked about San Francisco a ton. They do a great job scheming that up, but a lot of misfits there and a lot of missed tackles against New York. You know what I mean? It just. He's a, he's a fine tackler, but he doesn't. You can tell he's not about that life, you it's know. Not but his he, forte. It's not right. what he wants to. Do. <clears throat> so, in some ways, that to me says you want to stay out of third and long, obvious passing situations as much as possible, and you want to kind of manipulate him as best you can because he's he's a pretty special football player when that ball's in the air. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, linebacker level is is where probably their best player is, uh, yeah. at least like. In terms of notoriety around the league, you might say, no, I really like this guy and I trust your judgment on that. But Roquan Smith is seen as a star, uh, first round pick at linebacker. Um, and we talked about him a little bit in the preseason because he had that trade request. He's in the middle of contract negotiations, all that kind of stuff. Um, really, really talented player. He's made a bunch of plays in his career. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people wanted to trade for him here. I think just because from a finances standpoint, that's about the only reason it didn't make sense, which is pretty good reason to do it. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, now you got to play him and he is, he's really special in terms of the things that he can do with that linebacker position. And it does seem like they do set him up to make some plays. Unlike how we talked about the commander's defense is really set up for, the defensive line to make plays, they certainly do things where Roquan Smith gets to go and, you know, whether it's setting him up in coverage or setting him up against the run, like he's, he's in a lot of ways, the focal point of that front seven. Yeah. You know, so I haven't watched him specifically in the same way that I've watched Eddie Jackson. Usually I do that, like, you know, kind of defensive guys one day, but just because of the, the, uh, the truncated week, it's tough. But I, I will say the thing that jumped out to me was I, he was not as athletic as I thought he was. He's a little bit stiffer than I thought he was. So he's a guy, again, like everyone's like, oh, you got to pay these middle linebackers all this money. 
he's not he's not like a great coverage player to my eye. I still got to watch more. That's the disclaimer. What is today? Wednesday. Um, yeah. Got to watch more. But um, but you know, I think he's to me linebacker is maybe the most overrated position in the NFL. Like, and I know that's that's a big swing seemingly, but it's just they're 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 impactful in the run game, sure. They're a liability in coverage, oftentimes, and it's kind of the same thing with this group too, right? If you can take exploit, like he's a good football player. I'm not saying he's a bad football player, right. but he's not going to match up well against a, a good tight end or uh, a slot receiver, and that's what I'm going to try and find in in this matchup is to get that done. So, you know, I think he's a good football player, like you said. I think he's leading the team in tackles at the moment. Yeah, I mean, um, so, he's, he had some monster games. He uh, yeah. he had 16 tackles in their win over Houston. Uh, he had 10 against the Giants. He had 11 against Green Bay. Like he had set, you know, he had nine with seven being solo tackles against uh, against the Niners in Week One. Uh, so he's he's a guy who's around. He's got a pick on the year. Um, you know, he's 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 yeah. very productive. Um, sure. but pr- productivity. You know, I was the here when Zach Brown led the NFL in tackles and had a bad year. So uh, those two things don't always always go. Hand yeah, hand. and again, like I got to watch more, but also like those teams, like uh, Houston, Green Bay, uh, uh, the Giants, they're running the football a lot, and I think yeah. that's where he is. He is dynamic in that area, right? He's good at taking on blocks. He's physical. He's a good tackler, right? So that's going to show up there. I'm talking yeah. more as like a coverage player, which is a little right. bit harder to evaluate based on their system. So here would be, and obviously this will intersect with uh, talking about their front four as well, but um, if I'm game planning this week and I'm Scott, I actually, and like I think people that listen to me on the radio and listen to this podcast know I am not Mr. Run the Ball. Uh, I am like, this is not how you move the football in 2022 NFL. Right. I think you strategically use the run intermixed with a lot of short passing game and like letting your quarterback cook on first and second down because you get easier looks and then your entire playbook is open and yada 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 given some of the things that you've talked about um with like eddie jackson in in the Mm. run game and you know also just the reality of what's on the other side like this is a big ron rivera head coaching i see the big picture week Mm. like offensively as we'll talk about the bears are not very good they're not potent they are not talented Uh, they are not like there is no way they're scoring 30 points. So I am okay running the ball a lot more and trying to just go, hey, if we need to throw it, we'll get there. But I want to establish the run. Like I'm not scared that the game's going to get away from us. Sure. And so Roquan Smith becomes a really important player sure. mm-hmm. because you're probably going to put him in those situations more. And you know, obviously, can your linebackers get up off the double teams, or you know, can your can your receivers crack back? However, it is on whatever get your tight ends obviously become huge in this on any given play. Whoever's supposed to block Roquan Smith, like he does, become an important player. The way I would game plan it this week if I was Scott Turner, because I'm probably going, especially after last week you only run it 12 times with running backs like I'm trying to get back to the running game this week as long as Brian Robinson's up for it I know he came out of the game pretty sore because he hadn't taken contact in a while Um, but assuming like he's up for it that Gibson and McKissick are ready to go um, Williams is probably out uh, with the knee injury he picked up in the last game Um, but he does become a more important player probably because of the game plan yeah, and I think, you know, it's interesting. I agree with what you're saying. I think, um, you know, you want to take shots on first and second down, especially if they're going to be in this cover three, like with the safety down to the line of scrimmage, play action should be really good because, you know, they're playing an eight-man front. They're going um, to – those guys, Brisker, um, Jackson, if they're in there, they're going to be fitting the run. So take advantage of that. But also, I, I agree. I think this game is not going to be a high-scoring affair, much like Tennessee, where it affords you the opportunity to run the football more. 
I, I will say what I'm kind of focused on is offensive efficiency this week, right? I think one mm-hmm. of the things that they really had a hard time le- with last week was staying on the field. You mentioned 12 runs. I think they only had 40, what was it, 48 plays or something like that before the last drive, something like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but not that's not a lot of plays, basically, is what I'm saying. And the only way you're going to be able to get that, the, the, the touch total higher is if you're more efficient on third down. So what is your first and second down plan? to make sure you're in manageable third down situations. And I know we've talked about this a lot, but this is a critical, critical juncture for this team, right? Because like you said, they are not going up against Tom Brady or, you know, the greatest show on turf or whatever it is. They're going up against the Chicago Bears who are, we're going to talk about them in a minute, but they're gross on offense. You know what I mean? They're (laughs) gross. So just make sure we're efficient. We're holding the football. We're, we're, We're sustaining drives. Let's see if we can get some eight, nine, 10 play drives in there. And whatever that, takes what if that's rpos if that's screens if that's bubble passes it's if that's quick game whatever that element is let's find that this week and execute at a really high level that's my thought it doesn't need to be running the football but you need to find something right that insulates the offensive line a little bit let's carson make clean decisions which you know if we go back to the dallas game he was having a hard time with the quick game stuff seemingly so what what iteration of of play are you calling? And I think the run game is great, but you will be going against heavy runs, heavy, heavy boxes. And obviously you mentioned Smith as being a tremendous run player. Like I agree with that. That's going to be a tough sledding. Their interior defensive line is pretty good. There's no like big name in there, but they're solid players. Their edge players are solid. Like there's no like, wow, this guy's yeah, on Robert Quinn to- was amazing in his prime, but he's been playing forever. Yeah. What year is Robert Quinn in? They're is he in year 102? Him and Ryan are the same year, so this would be 11 or 12. Wow, I feel terrible. Robert Quinn is my age. He's 32 years old. He was picked in 2011. I just called him ancient, and he's literally the same. He's younger than me. He was born three months after me. Logan, I'm having a crisis. Football's dog years, though, so he he is old for a football player for sure. But yeah. So what I'm saying is is whatever that— Here here would be at home. Sorry, just quick trivia, Robert Quinn. Is he the last uh, active St. Louis Ram? Oh my gosh. I wonder. That's a great question. Drafted to St. Louis. Yeah. There's got to be, I guess it wasn't that long ago. There's got to be a couple more. But anyway, sorry. Continue. Pretty tight, though. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's uh, my point is if it's running the football, great. But also finding creative ways to run the football. Like you've been, you've been on your soapbox for a long time about getting Curtis Samuel touches. And when I watch the 49ers game, they just did such a good job, man. They get nickel response by the defense. They motion Curtis in the backfield. It's a light box. They have essentially 21 personnel in the game. They have a run drawn up. About, uh, San Francisco motions Debo. Wrong yes, Samuel. Debo's into the backfield, yeah. right? And Sorry, yeah, Debo in the backfield. And then they, they kind of they scheme it up so that the back is blocking a corner. The receiver's cracking the linebacker. And they're putting guys in good matchups. And that is something that you could easily do for five plays in this game, maybe 10, if you really want to make that go. And so, again, that's kind of a simple game plan way. It's hard to get that in in a short week, but you have the template in what San Francisco was doing, right? So right. let's see if you can take advantage of that. And so that would be my thought, like see if you can get some touches there. See And, like, let's make those good touches, not just kind of motion in the backfield and run the trap. Like, let's have a schemed run. Uh, so I think, I think those are some of the thoughts. Again, if you're trying to run the football, ways to get there, and the quick game stuff, the screen stuff. And then taking advantage of play pass and like keeper game on first and second down, I think is going to be huge too. Because Carson seems to have a good grasp of that. 
And so can you maximize him in that area? Right. No, that's that's great stuff. And by the way, because um, the last the last drive was 18 plays against Tennessee. Uh, I just pulled it up. Uh, so they ran 58 total plays, subtract 18. That means going to that final drive, they had run 40 plays. Now, part of that is they get a 75-yard touchdown, one-play drive. Uh, but 40 plays? That's tough. Yikes. So, yikes. again, everyone's like, they, they didn't run the ball, they didn't run the ball, but holy cow, man, you only had 40 plays? You, you, yeah, he didn't do much of anything. <laughs> right. So I think, um, and obviously defense needs to play. And, and that's what happens when you play teams like Tennessee. The same thing's going to happen when you play Chicago. They run the ball a ton. The game's a little bit shorter. So you got to make sure you take advantage of your offensive possessions because you're not going to get that many of them, unlike when you play Philadelphia or whoever. Yeah. Um, on the injury front, should uh, likely know Dotson again. Um, we'll see. Uh, obviously, we're recording this. We, we told you with the coffee. Uh, this is it's, it's about 930 on Wednesday morning. Hey, you got coffee too there? Are you sip it on water? He's a water coach. All right. Hydrating. Logan's, Logan's just getting his hydration game <laughs> proper. Uh, it's about 930 on Wednesday morning, so we have not gotten the final injury report. That will come out this afternoon, uh, but not expected to have good news on, on Jahan, but also Logan Thomas. Uh, it was DNP in practice yesterday, so oh, really? very likely without him for the second straight week. Well, on that point, I will say that your guy Cole Turner did a nice job, you know, and I think Armani did a nice job and Bates did a nice job. So that while that is a big, so why, let me ask you a question: Then why didn't they have catches? Bates Bates had a couple. Like he really stacked yeah. him in the line, the final drive. But like, I know Kurt, or Cole was was targeted a couple times. Yeah. I don't feel like Armani was. If they're doing the right things, like what's it going to take to get the ball in their hands? Is it just more plays? So I think it's more plays and getting comfortable. Like uh, early on, there was a ball on a spot play to Cole where it was probably a PI like I went back and watched it a couple of times the defenders early also Carson's a little bit late you know just getting that chemistry back mm -hmm. with that guy there's a ball batted on a shallow cross which would have been a big play for Cole um, and again there was another one over the ball where he probably should catch it but the guys kind of tackle him so I think as he gets more comfortable you'll see those plays also on the uh, fourth and five fourth and four whatever that was uh, he beats his man in one-on-one -on -one coverage and probably should get a ball there. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not the quarterback. I'm not the quarterback coach, but when you're one-on-one right. -on -one with the safety and you win that way ball. So I think those touches will come. Obviously there's an overthrow in a corner, right? Yeah. So I think there's just working through some stuff and that some of that stuff is on Carson. Some of that stuff is on them not having played together for a while, but I like how aggressive he was. He was very, you could tell he was very motivated and very competitive, just like Armani is every week. And then Bates was great in the run game. So, well, I know the name of Logan Thomas seems like a big loss, and it is. Yeah, the, those two young guys are playing hard, hard physical football, and I don't think it's going to be quite the the step back that people might think. Yeah, uh, if here's the if on that, uh, not to push back on anything you said, but no. just like if Carson's comfortable throwing to them, right? right? He, he right. trusts Logan. Can he trust these young guys? Um, in the same way that, like, in the goal line situation, if it's Jahan, even though he's a young guy, like, he's that's his guy. That's um, his guy. And he doesn't throw Dax on, on second down. And it's like, it's, if you just read it out, it's probably there. So hopefully hopefully Carson can do that and the coaches can get through to him. Like, hey, just it's it's the jersey and it's the same one you're wearing. <laughs> throw, throw it. Throw it, buddy. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. 
Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman. Logan Paulson. All right, what about this defense? They have been playing so much better. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm anticipating Benjamin St. Juice getting the start over William Jackson. Uh, Jackson DMP. Actually, no, sorry. He was full in the estimated uh, walkthrough on Monday. Knocked down to limited with the back injury. Plus, Ron has said this has nothing to do with his back, that he's, he's just been demoted. So we now have, you know, that kind of new structure defensively. But I'd also imagine uh, run structures are going to be way more important this week. The Bears, uh, the Bears offense is, oh, buddy. It's uh, it's not good. Yeah, it's not great. I think they are a run-first team. And I said this in an article I'm writing for uh, commanders.com, is they are a run-first team out of necessity as opposed to Tennessee, who does it out of choice, right? They have to be a run-first team. And, you know, they do a good job running the football. They have two backs, uh, David Montgomery and uh, Herbert Khalil, who are good physical very dexterous runners and are fun to watch. Their own line is kind of a bunch of no-name dudes, but they're playing well together. I think the, a huge loss for them is the loss of Cody Whitehair. He was their left guard, and he was really, really elevating that group. And so he got hurt against New York, and then obviously in the game against Minnesota, their, running, their rushing total dropped through the floor if you take away Fields' running or rushes, excuse me. And I think he's a big part of that because he was getting, he was just, he was maybe the best guard that we've watched this season. And keep in mind, we've watched games with Nick Martin and things like that. So um, his loss is going to be huge. And I think it's affecting how they run the football because they are, you can tell they're very well coached at running the football. Their angles are good. They're, they use a fullback quite a bit, which again, it's, it's an important variable because Jamin historically has struggled when there's a fullback in the game fit and runs because you can add gaps plus or minus very quickly. So uh, something to consider. I don't think it's the most important thing, but um, but I do think that they're 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 good in that way. You know, they're physical. They understand angles. They understand double teams uh, and pass protection. They're not great. And I think a huge part of that is that Justin Fields is just not playing good football. Like to put it as succinctly as possible. Like he gets right. back to the top of his drop, and it's a two man concept, and he is staring at something, but he's just holding the ball back there looking off into the distance and you know in some ways i'm I, I look back to the 2021 draft and i'm like man thank god they didn't trade up for this guy like that's how poorly he's been doing wow. you so, know like a lot of people in chicago are like i don't know are these coaches good scheme are they helping justin fields you're watching it going like it's all there it's Justin's, there you know, yeah he's got to make the throws he's got to throw the dang ball like it's <laughs> you know they they you know like there was one there was one player i forget who they were playing was it minnesota i've watched a lot of football minnesota, uh, minnesota is their most recent game yeah maybe minnesota they're running like a pylon so like a deep corner like to the the coaching point is run to the front pylon of the end zone so a very high angle coming out and then another corner underneath and there is so much grass so much space and ike he's obviously open even before he makes his cut and he's holding the ball and he ends up taking a sack on the play and so i there's some statistic he has been sacked 
And he's been sacked or scrambled more times than he has completions for the team. Right. Yeah. Which I think that was not, true going in. I don't know if it's whatever true it is. coming yes. out of the game against Minnesota because he actually like completed some balls like uh, in the last one. Yeah. yeah. But I, that was true going into the game against Minnesota. He did go 15 of 21 uh, for 208, which is his season high. Uh, yeah. Also had a touchdown, no picks against Minnesota. Yeah. And so I think, and even when you watch those, those plays, for example, in that game, it's, it's, there's a little, it's labored for him. You can tell he's having a hard time seeing it. And Minnesota was up 21 to three at some point in that game. And they kind of slowly crawled back. I think they took the, their, their foot off the gas a little bit too early. But so to me, the, the most important variable outside of stopping the run is just keeping him in the pocket. Like, cause he wants to run around and he makes like some Russell Wilson esque kind of off schedule type throws where he's running and he's scrambling around. Their defense is all confused. He finds a guy who's wide open. That was, that's what happened in Minnesota. Finds um, Pettis, who's wide open on the far far right. He runs to the left uh, fields, and then he, there's a guy by himself on the right, and he throws the ball there, and he runs for a touchdown. Like, that's not offensive philosophy. That's just him running around making a play. So I think when I look at what our defense needs to do, it's like keep him in the pocket, force him to beat you from the pocket because he just doesn't seem to have that. Like, just for an example, like they're, one of their staple things they do on third down is run draws. And you don't run draws as often as that if you have a lot of confidence in your quarterback, right? And that could be a quarterback draw, that could be a running back draw, whatever it is. They just are not a very confident group when it comes to his skill set, and you can tell. So if you can stop the run, keep him in the pocket, I think this is a very, very winnable game for this team. And, you know, they do have some skill guys who are talented, like Mooney has made some excellent plays on deep passes on play action stuff. He's got great ball skills at the top of the route. Uh, but again, it just fields has been somewhat inconsistent about getting the balls to those guys and making plays. So, yeah, so it's just such a interesting thing. I mean, you were part of a Chicago bears offense once upon a time. Yeah. I, it is like, it's almost comical, um, how bad they've been offensively for literally their entire history. Like right. even when they won super bowls, it's not like they were prolific offensively or they like the 85 bears. Like, yeah, it's, that was the best defense ever. You know, like Walter Payton obviously was phenomenal, which helped things a lot, but they've just never had a great, like they're a hundred year old franchise. Who's never had a great quarterback, maybe Sid Luckman back in the forties or whatever <laughs> it was. Right. But like, they just, they've never had a modern fantastic a-level quarterback and it's bizarro world why they've never ever gotten even lucky to figure that out but it seems to just be the way that franchise has has had their uh had their luck over the years as far as fields goes you know i think that is the kind of thing that like his running ability scares you a little bit but i do feel good about the discipline and the the I mean, just the level that this defense has played the last couple of weeks. Um, what do you do in terms of trying to pressure him? Like, do you, I guess there's kind of two schools of thought, right? Like you, he doesn't see the field well anyway. He is mobile. He's going to run around. Do you trust your athletes and guys like Holcomb and Davis to heat him up a little bit, try to make him, force him into mistakes, try to get some turnovers. You know, they tend to come in bunches. You haven't, you know, we haven't had uh, any turnover creation in, in with this Washington defense since the week one interception. Do you try to heat him up or do you just say, like, we're going to sit back in coverage and, and make him throw and beat us and we're going to be really disciplined with our rush and try to collapse the pocket and not give him anywhere to run? Like, which which of those two, obviously you probably do some of both, like, which, which do you major in uh, tomorrow night? Well, I think just because he's having such a hard time seeing the field seemingly is I, I might even just let Jamin just spy him. 
because I think uh, in terms of athletes that match up well with him, I think Jamin does. And I just think back to what he did against Jalen in terms of being able to run him down on some of that zone read uh, stuff, some of the bootleg stuff, like where he wants to become a runner. And I think he's that's a good matchup for this team, in my opinion. And because of the the route concepts, because of, again, Fields' inability to kind of, um, you know, put the ball where it needs to be. I think you feel pretty solid from a coverage standpoint, even if you have to dedicate someone to being a full-time spy, which is something you don't see a ton of in the NFL because it does limit you from a coverage standpoint. But I think this week you might feel comfortable doing that. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things about their offensive line I mentioned is they're good in the run game, but they're not great pass protectors. And I said that a little bit of that's on fields, but I do think you'll be able to generate a rush with your front four. It's just about can the front four be disciplined enough to kind of with their rush lanes, keep him in the pockets. He doesn't, at least to my eye, for through for, for sure the first four games is not trying. It almost feels like he's not trying to throw the football. It's like he's trying to run, you know. And yeah. he does like if, if the shot's there, he's going to take it. But it's like it, it just so he, you can. It's almost like it. they tell him like, "Hey, take the big one or just run it." Right. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly what it feels like. And so to me, I'm like, if you can just kind of keep him in there, don't let him run, let him kind of work through that process. I think you're going to be okay. And it's just about like, you know, obviously he's a good athlete. He ran a four four, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's going to be tough to get that done. But I think you you definitely have the personnel. You definitely have the people on the roster to get that done. And especially with the team, with the way the um, defensive front's been stopping the run the past couple of weeks, I, th- I think you're going to be in a really good spot um, in terms of putting this offense, the Chicago Bears offense, in a bad position to be making plays. If there's anything that scares you about this offense, and I realize uh, based off the last 10 minutes or so or whatever this has been of conversation, uh, there's not there's not a ton because uh, right. they're they're not playing well. But if you if you try to put like Bears colored glasses, whatever sure. colors that is on and be like, all right, this is what they're trying to do. And I, I'm like, if we're doing the, the Chicago version of the podcast and it's like, here's where I'm attacking Washington's defense sure. based off what we have. Like, what's the thing that scares you? Where if all of a sudden they start doing this thing, you're like, oh boy. Well, it's two things. One is, I, like I said, I think they're very good at running the football. They're very disciplined. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the, the absence of that guard I was mentioning, Cody, White, Cody Whitehair, is a big deal for them. But if they can get a guy, a body in there that does a good job, they've got a big physical group up front. And they do kind of get some momentum when it comes to running the football. And they do have some kind of novel run schemes. So I do think that that's something, if that were to go, both those backs are very good. They're very physical runners. They're hard to tackle. That's a little bit scary. And the other thing that's scary, quite frankly, is Justin Fields because he does do stuff that is outside the structure of normal like offensive play. And it stresses the defense, right? You kind of there's this unwritten rule, like the play should last about 3.5 seconds. And he is constantly pushing it past that point. So he's going to stretch your coverage. He's going to stretch your scramble rules. Uh, He had an excellent scramble against uh, Minnesota, like to end the game, basically, where he breaks out to the offensive left and then kind of dice like very Michael Vick-esque you know in terms of splitting guys and breaking angles and ran for I think it was a 40-yard touchdown so that's the type of stuff that he does bring the 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 floor at the moment is very low for him like because he's kind of screwing stuff up and not making throws but the ceiling he has these kind of crazy splash plays and that the reason they're in the game against Minnesota is he scrambles for 40 yards for a touchdown and he hits um, Pettis for like a 60 yard gain on something on a broken coverage where he's run into the left and, um, and, and he just gets lost in coverage Pettis. So 
the, that's the type of stuff that scares you because this this defense, for example, has been very, very susceptible to big plays. Right. And he seems to be able to, despite struggling to run like a normal offense and execute down to down, like you're going to have a lot of third downs from them. They're going to punt a lot. But he does seem to – like against the Giants, for example, they're running a play pass and he launches, I think, a ball that is probably 65 yards in the air to Mooney. <sighs> You know, he's got he's got some yeah, big play stuff to incredible him. Incredible physical tools. Right. And so that's the thing about this offense. Like if if you can the the running game the running game is good. It's, it's a solid running game. They've got good players there. Obviously they're banged up. But him outside of structure is the thing that I find terrifying. Because what if he does that three times in a game? It's 21, 21 to 17, like last week, you know? Because this right. our offense, the the commander's offense isn't exactly lighting people on fire. Right, at least right now, see what they can do on Thursday. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right, let's wrap up with with hypotheticals. Uh, we're not well. We're going to do two of the three. If they tie, we're just not going. We're going. We'll deal with that if they tie. Uh, <laughs> which now I've jinxed it. Congrats on everyone staying up till one in the morning for a tie. Uh, into Friday morning. Uh, what if they win? What if they lose? Um, and Logan, I will just go ahead and say that actually, that's a bad question, host Craig, uh, because I actually don't think that's the line of demarcation. Um, I think the line of demarcation in terms of like what ifs, right, is actually do you play well, specifically offensively, or do you not play well? And even if they win, I mean, we're coming off one of the worst Thursday nighters that we've ever seen, and that's a long list of bad football games. <laughs> but like, if they come out and win 12-9, like, I think you're still potentially looking at changes on the offensive staff. They come out and they win 30 to nine. That's a different story. So let's even, let's just scrap though. What if they win? What if they lose? What if, what happens if they play well? Cause there's so much pressure and so much conversation right now about what happens if it continues on the current bad trend, but what if they buck the trend and actually play well and put it together on Thursday night? Like how much time does that buy them? Does that change the math? Does it change the equation? I think it buys them a week, you know. I think that that's really what it boils down to. I think when you look at the last, you know, four weeks of the season where they really struggled, like it's been, it's not been great, you know. <laughs> and I, like just to, to put it as as mildly as I can, like it's not been good football offensively. And if I'm Ron, I'm I'm frustrated because I look at this and I say the defense has turned a corner or seemingly turned a quarter after the Detroit game, and they're playing so much better. Twenty four points to Philadelphia. You know, obviously, what was the score of the Dallas game? I don't even remember. But it's yeah. all doable point, point totals from a good offense with the weapons that you have here, right? So I look at that and I'm kind of, gosh. And if they play well and they and they get some confidence, great. Yeah, but it's tw- if, 25-10, the Dallas game. Yeah, and some of that was penalties, late scores, all that kind of stuff. But they were in that game. Was it? it was like 15-7 to seven or something like that yeah, for the was, longest time. Yeah, it was close. So anyway, yeah, but I digress. And so I think – you're in those three games. You're in the game uh, against Tennessee, right? And mm-hmm. 
and I'm, I'm irritated because there's all these offensive weapons. You've invested all this money and it's not coming along. This is supposed to be the time to kind of say, oh, this is what the offense is. This is the actualization of our vision offensively. And it just hasn't been very good. And um, and I if I'm Ron, I understand that it's my it's my butt on the line if this doesn't go well. So if they play well, great. But if they go out and lay an egg against Green Bay and they look terrible, then not great. Right. right. Because that's ex- like it's the con- and the NFL is about consistency. Right. So you can't look good against Jacksonville and look bad for five weeks and then be like, oh, you know, hey, we're back in it or whatever. Yeah, so, we figured it out. Yeah, it's got it's got to be consistent. And, like you know, let's say they play really well against uh, Chicago. Then they play well, but not amazing against uh, Green Bay. I think that that actually buys you more time as opposed to really, really good against Chicago and then bad against uh, Green Bay or whatever it may be. So Right. No, I agree with you. The Green Bay game, I mean, if things go well, the Green Bay game is – is everything um at that point because you if like it becomes irresponsible if you don't make a change if you just keep trying to do the same thing and like obviously it's not working and you know if the if the guys in charge can't figure out what changes need to be made that that means you need to get new people in charge and that's not like something we say flippantly like these are people's livelihoods and their jobs and everything and um i do think a lot of times in sports we get very flippant about firing coaches um but then again like Sometimes owners are really flip or other coaches get pretty flippant about firing coaches. And um, it just is part of the business, unfortunately. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that if they like to a point, Logan, if they don't come out and play really well, like I would make the change now, even if you feel like it might be a week early, if you don't feel like, it, you know, something yeah. dramatically changed in part because of the timing, right? right. Like you can take a day. Uh, on Friday, really watch the tape and make a decision as a head coach who's been in this league for 30 plus years and go, I don't like what I'm seeing. We need to make a change. Uh, and we can do it by Sunday. And by the time we get back to work on Monday, we've got new stuff in place. And you can spend the weekend because of this Thursday night game talking with whoever is going to be the new insert whatever coach gets changed and if we're also being honest like it's likely something around scott turner and that that becomes the question of like what can they do like is there someone else on staff that could call plays is there someone else who could take over a a bit larger vision of the offense and, and have a heavier influence like whether the change is like super subtle or whether it's something more dramatic obviously getting rid of a coordinator uh midseason uh, it's not like you can just bring in, and I used this example on the radio yesterday. I'll use it again here because it's so absurd that it absolutely can't happen, but it's not like you could bring in Jay Gruden and be like, Oh, Jay's available. Let's bring him <laughs> in. Cause he runs like a completely, like, right. obviously they wouldn't do that yeah. for, cause Jay's the former head coach, whatever. Um, but like, but, uh, you can't, yeah. you can't bring Jay in and be like, all right, you're the OC because he has, he runs a completely different offense and would have to like, literally try to install it mid season. And you can't do that. So it's gotta be someone that either is out there floating available. That's an, another North Turner disciple uh, or so, more likely someone on your staff who can then make changes and tweaks to try to get more out of the current scheme with the current set of players. And I don't think there's a clear vision on who that could be. So that that's like another, uh, I don't know. I keep saying we cross that bridge when we come, but I don't know whether like Jim, Jim Hostler or Hostetler, whatever his name is, is like a senior offensive assistant. He's been in the league for 20 years. Like do you, do you elevate him? Like, it's a tricky situation, but I do think that unless they come out and are like, wow, that, that they seem to find something. I think that you go ahead and make the change this weekend, uh, based off the current trend, just because it's the best thing for the football team from a timing standpoint. 
Yeah, and, and to be fair to Scott, like they did play yeah. better on Sunday. They did play better yeah. on Sunday, and and I think if they kind of show continued progress, if I'm Scott and I'm arguing for my job, I'm saying, oh, well, obviously Carson improved. He missed yeah. these throws. Hey, you He's- got to, you went to the podium and said uh, we need some more time. So, yeah. like, buddy, give me more time. Right, absolutely. And so again, if they play, they should play well against Chicago. It's a, it's a simpler defensive structure. It's just about. Can they execute? Can they find comfortable throws for Carson and avoid Eddie Jackson? Really, is what it comes down to, um, and and I think that's all doable. And, I think, yeah. and they should play well. And so I, I want to. I'm rooting for Scott. I hope that goes yeah. well. I hope they figure it out. But if if it doesn't, I think that's that's going to be tough, man. If if they go out on Thursday night, which is a national televised game, they lay another egg. And this is. I, I'm glad you brought up the timing thing because I was thinking about that earlier, or like yesterday evening, is this is the perfect time to do that if you're going to do it because you basically right. get a buy. Or you could make, or if I'm Scott, I could also make the argument, look at how well we played against Jacksonville off of, you know, basically like a buy type time frame. Right. I don't know how you feel about that. But yeah, um, I mean, I guess I, I, the reason I put the bar that high is because what you don't want to do is waste another week. And like, yeah. that's, that's the really tough part of this is like, where if they kind of play okay and win and like put up 24-ish, like that's like the worst thing because you don't feel like you can make the move based off the, like it's not obvious, right? Right. And at that point, are you just delaying the inevitable? And if you're just delaying the inevitable, then just make the move now. And that's kind of like the frustration with some of the moves they've made over the years, like from Landon Collins moving down into the Buffalo role to benching William Jackson. It's like, why don't you just do it when you realize it's the right thing as opposed to waiting to when it's the obvious thing? Because by the time it's the obvious thing, it's too late. You've right. already cost like results have elapsed that potentially could have cost you or did cost you wins or better chances of winning. And like, that's the real, that's the real struggle um, of this is like, if the best time to do it is now, and you think that it's, it's only a matter of time, you'd rather pull the plug early than late where, more damage has already been done and you know hopefully they come out and like they look back at the game and they're like look we like what we did we got to get Carson executed we think with with another week like we just keep fine-tuning because like he did check the ball down to the backs a little bit more and like found some things over the middle um you know he did obviously hit the couple of deep shots like there was progress last week as frustrating as it was down in down out some of the 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 areas in which he had struggled he was better and so if they can continue that trend and he's even better in those areas, it continues to be okay in some of the areas he's been okay, then I think if you're Ron, you go, I don't, and this is the other part of this, like, you know, okay, what, where do they actually go? Is it Kenny Zampezi? Is it like, right. what, what do they do? At some point you have to go like, am I better? Like, what's the, is the alternative better? Or do I, is actually, even though this is not great, and maybe in the off season, in the back of my head, I already know I'm doing something different. For right now, is the best option for the next 13 weeks or whatever it is at this point, 12 weeks, just trying to let Scott figure it out piece by piece and try to empower some other coaches to help along that. Maybe I bring in some some folks from the outside to advise a little bit. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to get a replacement that's better. So as long as he shows some progress, let's just let's just ride this thing out. And I think that's that's like a realistic possibility. Now, that says something about how they entered the season to not have some safety nets um, and to not have the people that could possibly elevate where you're not having to consider finding your offensive coordinator because those two things work hand in hand. Right. But 
I think that is a, a reality that we could be facing um, depending on how this goes. I totally agree. And I think that's maybe the most important variable of this whole thing is who do you promote? And I think that's why this becomes so challenging is, is on the staff. There's not an obvious person that you say, Oh, this guy's got some, some buzz about him. People like him. People talking about how dynamic he is, how the guys like him, whatever. There's nobody on the staff like that. And you know, with um, when you were covering the team, uh, who's the OC who's now in Minnesota, uh, Kevin name. O'Connell. Yeah. Right. There was some kind of whispers about him and it was a very easy thing to be like, well, let's see what he, let's see what he does. Right. Um, yeah. Here. I don't know. I don't, at least from, cause we don't have the same access to the staff that you had when Jay was here, but you know, there's not this kind of like, Oh, this guy, man, he's really smart. He's getting all these things done, blah, 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 blah. So I think that's the thing to me. That's maybe the most important is where do you, if you're Ron, where do you go? And the, the thing that I've kind of kicked around is, you know, this is uh, Norv's offense, Norv Turner, Scott's dad. So mm-hmm. maybe you say, Norv, you want to come in and kind of in a more official consulting role for, the rest of the year and see if we can have kind of a sounding board for Scott. I think it would be mutually beneficial for everybody, right? Cause you kind of settle Scott down. It's uh, the guy who invented the offense basically and say, let's see if we can kind of find some, some common ground and talking with other guys uh, on the beat. They always say that, you know, when, when Norv comes around, Scott seems to kind of perk up as a play caller. So, you know, maybe that is the most viable solution. You don't demote Scott, but you say, Hey, um, Norv, come on in like more regularly. We'll get you an apartment down, you know, in, in one Loudon and, uh, you know, <laughs> get you watching some film and help your son out, you know, kind of establish himself as a, as a play caller. So something to think about. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, you know, Ken Zampezi seems like the, the most likely guy if they don't go that route, if they were to like make a change change. Um, and then Hostler, uh, who was the wide receivers coach, uh, previous to Terrell, um, has he called plays before? I that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm reading his his bio. I mean, he's a guy that's been with Ron for a long time. Uh, he's worked with the Ravens. I think he's been mostly a receivers coach. Um, right. So even though he's been in the NFL for this is his 23rd year, um, I don't think that he's a guy that that is potentially up for that role. Because um, that that's the thing is like you can be a really great skill, you know position, position coach, coach. Mm-hmm. but calling calling it's a different a different animal. So. Um, that's, it's really, it seems to be like get help for Scott or Kenny Zampezi goes from quarterbacks coach to calling it. And, uh, you go from there, maybe, maybe Heineke, Hey, Taylor, you know, the offense, that's why you're here. That'd be let's, pretty, let's, that'd be pretty big time. If, if I, it's, I, I just, it's, 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 not it's really hard. Yeah. It's, it's very, very hard to call it, to call an offense, right? For sure. So many situations, so many, so much prep that goes into that. So that's why all these guys who are kind of career position coaches, there's a reason they've probably made that decision on their own. That's, they don't, yeah. you know, they don't want to kind of take that next level of responsibility. So, um, yeah, I think that to me, I've already said this, but that's the that's the issue is who everyone's like, yeah. you got to fire him. But who is the guy? Right. You know, like, how do you fix this? And so you're, you're um, better off reinforcing what's there than tearing it down potentially. Right. And I do think that I, you know, so hopefully this is not an issue. We're not talking about this. Hopefully yeah. they beat the brakes off the bears and we're like, wow, this offense is looking like they turned a corner. Everything's great. And we get a little bit of a run here. Cause that would be good for everybody involved. Us included. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I don't want to keep talking about bad football. It's yeah. I've got a lot of practice, unfortunately. Uh, 
that's Logan Paulson. You can follow him on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson 82. I am, I'll throw out the Instagram today. I'm at Craig underscore Hoffman. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Craig Hoffman and at Hoffman show. Also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, it's just my YouTube channel. That we're, posting, we're posting a lot more stuff there. Um, I kind of decided that's, that's a good route for us. Uh, so if you want to watch some of this stuff, I did a fun little uh, film breakdown where I did a little screen share action and <laughs> captured uh, some of my mouth. You can see my mouth circling guys uh, on, on a film breakdown of the three uh, plays at the goal line the other day from the radio show. So uh, check that out. Just search Craig Hoffman on YouTube and uh, you, can, you, can get, uh, you, you can watch us talk because that's, that's the right. thing that people do. Uh, all right. Uh, for the rest of the week, uh, obviously game day uh, is tomorrow or if you're listening to this on Thursday, surprise, it's game day. Uh, and then we will not be doing like the immediate after an hour after the game ends post game pod. Cause we'll be sleeping. Uh, but we will pretty early Friday morning record. Uh, so depending on what time you go to work, you might have a pod for your commute. Uh, but if not, you will certainly have it for your ride home on Friday or consume whenever you want over the weekend. So subscribe, you'll get it as soon as it's available. Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app, uh, Google play, wherever it is that you're listening right now, for Logan, I'm Craig, and we will see you after the game. No more hypotheticals uh, on Friday for taking that. <laughs>